Friends, we have gathered here today to praise God and to witness our faith as we celebrate the life of Beulah Basney. One of the means of both praising God and of celebrating Mrs. Basney's life today is through singing, particularly the singing of hymns, something that she loved to do. So the family invites you to join them in singing the hymns as a celebration of her life and as a means of offering praise to God. I invite you to stand for the first hymn, number 240, Softly and Tenderly.
O God of life, as we have learned to do in all of our experiences, we come to you now in the hour of death. We know that you love us and and that you can turn even the shadow of death into the light of morning. Help us now to wait before you with reverent and submissive hearts. Make this a time of opening our eyes and our understanding and a time of encouragement to our hearts and our souls. Bless those who feel this sorrow most deeply and cause the bonds of Christian love to bind us closer together so that we may share with them the spiritual strength and the faith in God, which is ours through the love of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth, and even forevermore. The word of the Lord. I have been asked to bring remembrances of Mrs. Basney and her work with the women's Bible study. And I hope you won't mind if I read it. Soon after Alice McMillan retired from teaching at the uh, teaching Bible at Houghton College, she began to conduct the women's Bible study at our church. I haven't talked to anyone who is certain what year that was, but the group has been meeting for many years. We probably began in the late 60s or early 70s. Mrs. McMillan taught from the scriptures, and Mrs. Basney soon became very active in a number of capacities. She saw to it that we had coffee and refreshments, providing them herself or organizing a list of volunteers to bring the goodies. I recall meeting in the fireside room of what was then the new community building. Later, when the Valley Nursery School needed the gymnasium, we moved the to room 105, which was small, and later Mrs. Basney found the used room for us. She provided for college girls to babysit preschool children. We were all much younger then, of course. (laughs) Uh, Women came from the surrounding area, as well as from Houghton Church. Beulah welcomed ladies from Fillmore and Hume and Canadia, Rushford and Belfast and in between. She planned special luncheons for special days as Christmas time and for our closing meetings in the spring. We still do that. I recall her entertaining in her home, a big group, one Christmas time, and the wonderful soup she served. Mrs. Basney became the one who began the meetings. We listened for the jangling of her silver bell to tell us to start. She made the announcements. She greeted new attendants, 
usually read something inspirational. She led in prayer or asked someone else to. And when occasions arose, uh, when Mrs. McMillan needed a substitute, she took her place or saw that someone else did to teach. There came a time when Mrs. McMillan was no longer able to teach the group. We have had a number of different teachers and leaders over the years, some for a few weeks, one or two for a number of years. Our Bible study is still meeting. I feel we owe very much of its longevity to Mrs. Basney and her work there, her faithfulness and her efficiency. When it became difficult for her to lead the program, she was still faithful in attendance. We missed her presence with us when, after her husband died, she eventually left to be near her daughter in Texas. For many of us, the name Mrs. Basney was almost synonymous with the Houghton Women's Bible Study. Her endeavors for us were a blessing and an inspiration. We thank the Lord for her leadership.
Naila and Linda have written a remembrance of their mother, and they've asked me to read it for you. Lionel always said that he learned to tell stories from his mother and that he developed his love for language through her descriptions of people and events, particularly those from her German Mennonite background. She kept copies of all of his writing, and it was important to him to present her with a plaque of the cover of his first book. He wrote to his mother each week, just as she wrote to him, letters about the weather, about the children, about the garden, the harvest, or the canning. Lionel probably would connect his love of working in nature, woodworking, composting, and growing things, to his mother's work with her own hands, to her love for flowers, and to the pleasure she took in caring for the plants around her house. She loved to hear him sing, Glorious things of thee are spoken. And each year when the family gathered for Christmas would listen quietly from the kitchen as Lionel and the whole family shared in our traditional holiday song fest. Although Darrow, mother's youngest son, went to be with the Lord almost 50 years ago, mother carried his memory actively in her heart. Linda remembers a time several years ago when a nurse asked her mother about her family. Linda was about to answer that her mother had three children when Mrs. Basney lifted her head and looked the nurse in the eye. I have four children, she replied. She spoke of Darrow only rarely, but when she did, she would smile, shake her head gently, and remind the family of his sunny grin, his happy-go-lucky personality, and his love for Jesus. I would ask him to clean up his toys, she would say, and he would answer, yes, ma'am. But 15 minutes later, they would still be where he left them. Darrow, I would say, mommy asked you to pick up your toys. Yes, ma'am, he would answer again. But often as not, after even several more reminders, the toys were still on the floor. Five minutes after I would discipline him for not listening, and after the toys were put away, Darrow would be back on the front steps of the old house on the campus singing, Jesus loves the little children, and smiling and waving to everybody who walked by. If Linda were asked what her most precious memories of her mother are, she would answer that they are the words so often on her mother's hearts and lips about the goodness and faithfulness of God in our lives and of our responsibility as believers, to walk humbly and obediently before him. In Linda's words, One of my most wonderful memories of mother is of her sitting by my bedside in the old house. It was late summer and stifling hot in the tiny third-floor room that faced out onto the quad. I had a terrible case of poison ivy, and the combination of the itching and the congestion from my seasonal hay fever was making it impossible to sleep. To distract me, Mother talked softly of many things that night, then finally told me the story of Job on his dung heap with sores all over his body. And just so, Linda, she said, your heavenly Father sees your suffering this night and is saying to the angels around his throne, And here is my faithful servant, Linda, who is patiently bearing her cross this day. And so Mother lived each day of her own life with her heart and her mind focused clearly on the responsibilities, the burdens, and the joys of each day. She washed clothes on Monday, ironed on Tuesday, cleaned on Thursday and Friday, and shopped on Saturday. And all of this with a clear commitment to faithfully completing the work that God had given her to do. She often said that her primary calling in life was to provide a home for her husband and family. She prayed for her children as her father had prayed for his. She shared devotional readings with us that brought special blessing to her heart. And after her children left home, she wrote to each one of us every week.
I especially remember how she would comfort and encourage me when I was tired and overwhelmed with all I felt I had to do. Mother would remind me that God wasn't asking me to do everything in one day, but only to do the work that was at my right hand to do. When I would fuss and fret about things I thought had gone wrong, especially when I complain about other people, Mother would say, But Linda, Jesus says, What is that to thee? Follow thou me. When I would cry about my mistakes and despair over my nasty tongue and willful behavior, Mother would remind me that God has promised to complete the work that he has begun in me and one day to present me faultless before the throne of the Most High. And perhaps most precious of all, when even as an adult I would express confusion or doubt, anxiety, or even fear about the future, Mother would quote the verse from Jeremiah that is engraved on my parents' headstone and that I now quote to my own daughter. For I know the plans that I have for you, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. And finally, a remembrance of her mother in Naila's words. Do you think that if this note is a G and this note below is an F, that that means that this note would be an E? My earliest memory of my mother when I was when I, four years old, ran out into the backyard while she was hanging up clothes and asked her about the names of the notes. I don't remember her, her looking at my music, but I remember her affirmation. Later in my teenage years, when I would give up practicing in frustration and walk through the kitchen while she was making dinner, she would say to me, sleep on it, come back tomorrow, and it will be easier. I didn't realize it then, but her quiet acceptance of my music making became the foundation for my musical life. I learned about musical style and vitality and inspiration and performance from my father. From my mother, I learned to connect music to my heart. When she sang, her voice trembled and her eyes filled, but she sang with certitude. Until just a few months ago, mother was still able to sing along with many of her beloved hymns. What a friend we have in Jesus, in the garden, Jesus, the sweetest name I know. Many of our heart-to-heart -heart talks came when we were folding laundry at the Fillmore Laundromat. During the summertime, we would plan our Monday laundry trip so that we could get home in time to watch our favorite soap opera at 11.30. Tuesdays, I would stand in front of her and chatter as she did the family's ironing. Thursdays, we went to the Belfast Bakery to buy pecan rolls. When I was 13... Mother decided that I needed an opportunity to get out of the house and to do more independently. She announced that she had gotten me a babysitting job. I was nervous and insecure that first night, and I called Mother about a half an hour into the job because the baby I was watching wouldn't stop crying. Mother drove up to the house, came into the living room, picked the baby up, quieted him, laid him on his stomach on the couch, rubbed his back, and then left without saying a word. Five years ago, mother came to West Texas where I was living and became a resident at the Younger Center for Alzheimer's Care at Manor Park. Dad had just died, and in the space of a week, mother had lost her husband, her home, and her friends. Over the next few weeks, she asked me about what was happening to her mind, and we talked about the future. She cried in frustration when she could no longer organize her life and carry out plans she had made. We attended concerts together. She worked in the Manor Park garden, and we visited the children down the hall in daycare. She spoke of God's constant presence with her and of her conviction that he would never leave her. She set her face to the work at her right hand, the work of accepting the burden of Alzheimer's disease, 
of carrying herself with dignity and of gently making her needs known to the staff and other residents of the younger center. She never neglected to say, thank you, and that's good. As mother's inhibitions slipped away, we celebrated spontaneity and delight by rolling her wheelchair through the lawn sprinklers, tap dancing down the hall with her walker, and each eating six desserts at one sitting at a Christmas party. When we would drive from Midland to Odessa, mother would look out at the scrub brush and prairie and say, there isn't anything out here. When I came to visit her and was stressed, she put her hand on my shoulder or on my cheek. Six months ago, mother suffered a brief loss of consciousness. We were unsure if she would recover, and I and several members of the Manor Park staff were standing around her bed. As she opened her eyes, she spoke the first sentence she had in two years. I was almost home. Mother is home now and released from the struggle of living with Alzheimer's disease. Even with the pain of separation, we can say along with mother, that's good. Eternal God, we thank you for Beulah Basney, for who she was and who she is to us and to you. We thank you for the ways in which you blessed her life and the ways in which you blessed our lives through her life. We thank you for love given and love received, for defeats mastered and, and tasks well done, for faithful friendship, and for your grace that was at work in her and which we see also at work in us. Grant us the help of your spirit in the days to come. We pray for this family. Heal their sorrow. Free them from burdens and worries. Strengthen the love that binds them to one another. Help them. Help us all to discern the meaning of our lives. That we might all turn to you each day and find even in the sorrow of death, the joy of your life. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ.
This is the word of the Lord.
unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only God, wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Amen.